Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-hosts. First up, the guy who, when asked by a group of Commander players, hey, do you want to play, Matt? He responded, no thanks, I already have one. That's Matt Morgan. Uh, you, Your attempt at a dad joke has ruined my attempt for a dad joke. Uh, I'm proud of that one, but go ahead, Matt. Please, as always, treat us with your lovely dad jokes. Well, I was going to ask you how you can make a waterbed more bouncy. And all you got to do is add a little spring water. <laughs> you know what? I think you've earned the dad joke back. That one got Thank me you. good. I love it. Uh, next, he's not day nine, but he is Dana. It's Dana Roach. <laughs> Uh, this show will come out on July 3rd, um, and I'm pretty excited to see how many views we get because the only real competition we're going to have that day is the world streaming premiere of the original Broadway production of Hamilton. So we'll be fine. I'm sure we'll have all the eyeballs on us instead of that. Numbers will be huge. Oh, no. That... Oh, Yes. Oh, that's not a thing that we thought about. Maybe we'll see if we can fudge our release date a little bit, because that is funny. Anyway, this is the EDH RecCast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the Commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new Commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we like to do is give all that data a little more context. Hey guys, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about whether or not Corset 2021 is the best Corset ever. It's... It's so exciting. Like, it's really, really good. And I know this is this is what's funny is that Jumpstart previews happened right after Core 21, and they are also really, really exciting. But I mean, I know that we might be a little bit late in getting around to the core set with our release schedule and stuff, but I am so happy about this core set. It's so cool. Yeah. And so we want to talk about all the cards going on there because I think we're all really, really happy with what's going on in this core set. Yeah, it, it might be. I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I agree with Dane and say, like, this is probably one of the best core sets we've ever had. The yeah. best since Alpha? Uh, <laughs> I, I would say M12, because I'm partial to the Titans, but mm. it's still, yeah, extremely good. I would say top five easily. Yeah, it's we're really, really excited. So we can't wait to go through some of those cards, talk about where they might fall within the realm of EDH. But before we get there, we have to give a huge thank you to Josh the Quiet and the whole team at the Command Zone, who handle all of the post-production work on the podcast and make it look as awesome as it does. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors, too. So we're going to talk about a lot of cards today. And you know where you can get some of these cards that we talk about? In fact, all of the cards cardkingdom.com and tcgplayer.com. They are the awesome sponsors for the show. They'll provide all the up-to-date pricing information on the website, and you can buy your cards and support the show while you're at it. Just go to cardkingdom.com slash edhrec, or just click on one of the TCG uh, player price links on the site. That'll take you right to where you want to go. Buy those cards you're going to get anyways. Pre-order them for M21 if you really want to, and you can support the show doing it that way as well. So cardkingdom.com and tcgplayer.com are amazing sponsors. Awesome stuff. All right, now we are going to get into it. We want to talk about Core 21, and next week we'll be talking about Jumpstart. These are two back-to-back -back sets that have absolutely stunned me. I'm really, really excited. We're going to start off with the legendary creatures, the new commanders from Core 21. And Matt, the first one we're talking about, there's no way that we can give this card to anyone but you to talk nope. about, to nope. read for us. It's so delightful. Please grace us with the information, <laughs> the loveliness, the goodness 
of Rin and Sari. I, I do have a brand, Joey, so I, I thank you for appreciating <laughs> the creature types here. Um, but Rin and Sari, inseparable. They are the new Naya commanders. They are one in Naya, so that is a red, green, and a white for a 4 4 legendary. Ready for it? Dog cat. It dog is cat. Rin and Sari. I'm not sure which is which, if Rin is the dog or the cat, but it doesn't really matter. They're both great. Um, but also, whenever you cast a dog spell, Rin and Sari creates a 1 1 green cat creature token. And then whenever you create a, or whenever you cast a cat spell, you create a 1 1 white dog creature token. But then you can also pay a red, a green, and a white and tap it, and to have Rin and Sari inseparable deal damage to any target equal to the number of dogs you control. And then you also gain life equal to the number of cats you control. Guys, this is pet tribal, and I love it. <laughs> Well, it's Pet Tribal, and it's a fun card in that regard, but it's mm -hmm. a perfectly playable commander card, too. You're not playing this because you just want the silly meme. Um, you can play this and feel comfortable sitting down at a table and have a, a chance to win. This is a good card. Yeah, very, very much. I really like that ability, although, Matt, I think you've observed that the ability seems a little backwards, right? The ability is a little backwards, but, I mean, Joey and Dana, we, we were all talking and they said, well, it's, it's kind of weird. There aren't any demons in this set. And I said, that's that's not true at all. There's cats and cats are demons. <laughs> so um, I think flavor wise, cats should be the ones dealing the damage. But that's yeah. that's just personal preference right there. Well, it, it, in, in my guess is that's perhaps due to the fact that we do have multiple spells that put um, cat tokens in play. There's mm -hmm. fire cat blitz and uh, white sun zenith and waiting in the weeds that are in those colors. So it's much easier to make, you know, a dozen cat tokens and then dome somebody for a lot of damage versus a bunch of dog tokens. So I think that was probably, I'm guessing, maybe a little bit of a power speed bump. Right. Well, and, yeah. and that's something, too, that the, the numbers kind of support having more cats in general in the deck. Um, there's only nine actual dog creatures in M21, not counting Rin and Sari. Um, so 10 when you think about it. Um, that's compared to almost 200 cats that are in Magic so far. That's a huge, huge difference. And Gavin Verhey did say they were going to go back and errata a lot of hounds into being dogs moving forward. I'm not really sure what the list is, the full list of, of cards that will be affected by that errata, but Dana did some looking up. There's 79 hounds currently. Um, so even if all of those come around to being dogs, the numbers still favor playing a lot more cats than they do dogs. Yeah, and some of the most popular hounds that exist right now, according to EDHREC, include some that might not necessarily fit or jive with this particular one, like Inox Survivalist, for example, which is a morph hound shaman, or then there's Mobu, Loyal Companion, who is the best boy, but also that's a plus one counters deck. It might be kind of different. Um, so you might be relying a little bit on some of the newer dogs to uh, fulfill the the dog stuff going on in the Rin and Sari deck, but you've got a lot of cats to choose from. Um, so I, I do think that this is really exciting, and it also it gets me right in the feels. This is the type of adorability that I absolutely love. Um, I'm going to... I'm close to calling this what I think might become the most popular commander from the set, which is why we wanted to start off with it, in addition to the fact that it's a really, really good boy. But <laughs> it is just really, really cool. And so keep an eye on the numbers there, but probably expect that the cat balance will be um, much bigger for now uh, when you are starting to build the deck. Um, just that balance within the deck, there's going to be a lot more cats. All right, let's move on to our next commander. Dana, who are we talking about next? The next one we have on the lift is Rada. Heart of Keld, a three-mana elf warrior, 3-3. Three, three. As long as it's your turn, Rada, Heart of Keld, has first strike, and you may look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may play lands from the top of your library. Uh, for six mana, four, a red and green, Rada gets plus X, 
plus X until end of turn, where X is a number of lands you control. So it's another, you know, lands matter slash landfall commander that has a win condition kind of built into the commander. Um, you know, it's different enough from Mina and Den and from Angry Omnath to probably get used as a commander, and it's useful enough that it will probably show up in a Mina and Den deck and in an Angry Omnath deck. Yeah, I'm very, very much in love with this particular design. Landfall is a crowded, crowded field. I think this is my personal favorite design from the entire set in terms of the legendary creatures. I love this design for Rada because you now have a almost Voltron-esque uh, commander damage option right there, which isn't really a thing that you've seen from a lot of the other landfall options out there. So you're breaking new ground even within what is already a very well-steeped and very crowded archetype. So I hope that the other landfall options in Gruul don't crowd out Rada too much. I think that she has a lot that she can do and she brings something really new and very, very exciting. Like you don't need to activate that ability too many times for this to be crushingly lethal. Yeah, it's. I think Rada is a very, very powerful card. This probably is my favorite of the three versions of Rada that we have. I know some people have kind of knocked it for not having any evasion, but you're in red and green. So it's not like it's even hard to give trample to Rada here. I mean, you're probably playing a, some number of those effects in the deck. You're probably even playing some of these other landfall commanders we're talking about, like Mina and Den granting Rada. Mm -hmm. Of trample and then also being able to replay lands and doing all that kind of fun stuff. I think it's a very powerful deck and, and coming down on turn three is not irrelevant. That's a pretty aggressive start, especially if you have some ramp on turn one. Um, you can turn Rada sideways pretty quickly and pretty powerfully. Yeah, and I love too that it doesn't feel hyper-dependent upon having a lot of landfall abilities. It actually nope. is fine if you run out of lands to go find. You don't need this to be a strictly landfall deck with all of your Avenger of Zendikar stuff. Like, that will still be good, but if you just want to focus on making this like a, a deck where Rubble Hulk effects or uh, or Blackblade Reforged, for example, like that is a deck where you can just like, yeah, I'm going to have 20 lands and all my creatures will be lethal as a result of it. Watch your back. Like that is a very powerful new dynamic for Landfall that I'm just so excited to see. So this one also really, really love it. And that is breaking new ground in a really established archetype. So, so happy about this. But there's one more multicolored commander that we want to talk about in this set too. Matt, who we got next? Next is Niambi, a steam speaker. She is a blue and a white. For two, one human cleric uh, has flash. Niambi, a steam speaker, enters the battlefield. You may return another target creature you control to its owner's hand. If you do, you gain life equal to that creature's converted mana cost. Then you can also pay one, a blue and a white, and tap Niambi, and you discard a legendary card to draw two cards. This one I'm not as jazzed as the other two that we've talked about so far. I think it's a better card for the 99, but what do you guys think? Um, I agree on the 99. I think this is a card that people that are playing Afara are really excited about because mm. the flash lets you flash the creature in on their player's turn, which Afara wants to draw you a card, and you then bounce back another creature with flash to your hand that you can then flash it in someone else's turn to get another card draw. It's a, just a nice little piece that works well in an Afara deck. Um, I definitely think we'll see this in the 99 more than we will see it as a commander, which I think is true of a whole lot of these cards we're going to talk about a lot they're, they're all quite interesting um but i think they are pieces versus the actual driving machine for the most part that is also a yeah i'm i think i'm on board with that too a lot of the stuff that i think i would want to do with the abilities neombi showcases um include things that i'm probably already able to do a little bit better with raf capuchin um or with afara or even with brago like i see yeah. that neombi doesn't care necessarily that you discard uh, a legendary creature you can maybe have like a, a Planeswalker deck, for example. But if I'm playing Planeswalkers, I actually might want to use Brago because Brago can blink and reset Planeswalker 
Skywalkers use their abilities multiple times. So it is, you know, a little tough to say exactly. But as a role player within those different decks, I'm actually really excited to see her in the 99, even for uh, the Cissé, uh Captain of the Weatherlight, whatever the five color version is. I forget. I know there's multiple. Um, but this is also another thing that you can use uh, to add to your Weatherlight crew because this is another thing that cares about legendary stuff. So I'm excited to see it, but it definitely feels like a bit of a 99er. Um, our next one, we're moving on to some mono-colored commanders now. This next one, it's got a weird first line of text, but I don't know. I'm trying to make up my mind on it. Uh, Jolriel Monvoli Recluse, two mana, one, two human druid. And it's got an ability that is very reminiscent of a Jeskai commander we saw printed recently. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 2-2 green cat creature token. And you can pay 6 until end of turn. Creatures you control have base power and toughness XX, where X is the number of cards in your hand. So green is moved from using creatures to draw cards to now it's creatures care about you drawing cards. Like this is, that first ability is just straight up the text of Gavi. Like I thought that was a Jeskai ability to make 2-2 cats. That's a little weird, right? I would argue, Joey, that there's no nothing in the color pie more green than taking a good ability from another another color and then doing the same thing oh man yeah this this also could be a great role player in commander decks like azuri claw of progress for example um but man green i have seen plenty of green decks get easily 20 cards in their hand off of a rich card's expertise so i'm not even sure that the making cat tokens is what's most exciting about joriel so much as just like yeah, you can make a couple of small things here and then pay six and everything gets plus 20 plus 20 because you've got your Rishkars and your uh, Garrick Wildspeaker freed. I can't remember the name of that card, even though I have it in like five of my decks. But like this, this is a very scary overrun ability, a lot like Rada's ability. This one impresses me a lot, too, because green, it's not going to be difficult to make that big. I do think the cat thing is relevant, though. I think if it was if it was making a 2-2 beast or something, we would be less interested. I think people that are playing the, the Rin and Seri deck might consider it as a way to make more cats. I think people that are playing Arabo might care about it to, to make some cats because there's, you know, there's not that many out there compared to, you know, an el- elves or zombies or something. So I think that is a relevant thing too, that it does make cats. It's not nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a huge, huge fan of this card for Commander. I think it might be sneaky good for like some standard situations. Sure. Um, but for here, it's just kind of, uh, I'm, I, I don't think I'm ever going to see well, I shouldn't say that. I don't think I'm ever going to be compelled to play a Joel Rail deck. Uh, there are certain decks, maybe, that I would like it in the 99, but it's it feels torn to me. I'm, I'm kind of with you, Joey. I'm not really sure what to think of it. I want to like it, but I'm not sure if I can bring myself to it. Maybe it's just the cats. I- I, <laughs> it might, that might be it. You you are a little anti-cat. I am, I'm actually very threatened uh, by that ability. Like if you put this into a Tatiova deck, for example, like that is a deck Oof. that can absolutely use Laboratory Maniac to just completely win the game by drawing so many cards. But there are plenty of Simic decks that draw so many cards, but could also use a way to make that a bit more fun and lethal. Um, and this definitely strikes me as a great option for decks that draw as many cards as green and blue have been wont to do recently. Uh, let's move on now to some red commanders. Who's next? Next. Up next, we have Sabira Tulzidi Caravaneer. That's a mouthful. <laughs> um, she's a human shaman, 2-3 with haste, and you can spend one colorless mana. Another target creature with power 2 or less can't be blocked this turn. And for one in red, you can tap her and discard your hand until end of turn whenever a creature you control with power 2 or less deals combat damage to a player. Draw a card. Uh, once again, this is the kind of card that's going to have a home in decks like Alesha Who Smiles at Death, where it can poke through... Um, unblockable and help those smaller creatures that Alesha decks tend to run also poke through. Um, 
And it's not terrible as a, as a commander either. It's an interesting kind of niche card in red, just like most of the rest of these are. There's something that are filling a, a, a small void that maybe isn't being filled. I'm not going to build the deck, but I like the card. Yeah, I, I really like this one a lot too. It's very... Uh inventive to be able to focus on this part of red and not necessarily always relying upon like a shared animosity to help you finish the game but using this as a new type of engine and especially pairing it with effects like i think cavalcade of calamity where whenever you attack with tiny creatures it's going to deal a lot of damage too so this is the thing that i'm really excited for them to uh use um a a little bit more often reds focus on tiny creatures but yeah putting this into an alesha deck also seems a little bit nasty because that fuels the graveyard too. And ah, that like mm, that seems real good. <laughs> you just couldn't go one set review without mentioning the graveyard, could you, Joe? <laughs> I can't go one episode without mentioning well, the graveyard. But that's now. a good point. Like like I mentioned Joel Rael being able to make cat tokens being relevant. That's a relevant ability here, whether it's a graveyard deck or it's a madness mm-hmm. deck or a hellbent deck. Like there are other decks that do want that ability on a body that has haste and is unblockable. It's just a piece that can fit in a whole bunch of different decks depending on what you want to do yeah and there's clever things you can do with this type of unblockability too i don't know about you but i kind of want to throw a quietest spike on a creature that subira will make uh, unblockable but i'm also really really nasty like that i like cutting people's lives in half so that's just yeah i'm I'm really enchanted by subira and and i'm I'm excited for it it is worth mentioning too it's you can use that ability on other players creatures it doesn't it's not restricted to only your creatures so you can get political with it not that i recommend getting political in your magic games (laughs) let's just uh play straight up not worry about making friends but mm. neither here nor there let's move on can't say i agree well yes, let's, let's move on we'll move on anyways to gadrek the crown scourge it is two and a red for a legendary dragon we have our token dragon for the set uh five four with flying and gadrek the crown scourge can't attack unless you control four or more artifacts then at the beginning of your end step, create a treasure token for each non-creature, or excuse me, non-token creature that died this turn. Now, 5-4 for three mana is a pretty good rate, but I'm not really sure that ability really helps it out much. What do you guys think about Gadrak? Hmm, I feel as though, again, sort of like with Nyambi, a lot of the stuff that I'd want to do around this ability is probably fulfilled by uh, some other folks. And so I'm more inclined to call this one a 99er as well. I tend to agree. I think if you're looking to play a red commander that does that makes mana, there's a couple in the hebs that maybe do a little bit better. Um, but in the 99, I mean, any kind of mono red dragon deck tends to really struggle with not playing all seven drops. Um, mm. This gives you a, a relatively cheap dragon. It's a five four and mono red. You're probably running a ton of mana rocks. So like, even if it's not part of your strategy, it's probably pretty easy to just accidentally have enough um, artifacts out to swing with this even before you're making treasure. And there's probably some you know Rakdos decks that tend to sacrifice a lot of your own creatures as well that are going to generate value off this. Yeah, I, I will guess we're not going to see it atop a lot of decks, but. As with all of these, to keep repeating myself, there's just a lot of different roles that can fill in a bunch of different decks. Well, and yeah. and something I love so much about this particular set is that it, I'm excited to try out like potentially flavor themed decks around this. Like Gadrek strikes me as a great one to just emulate the the Smaug. Like I'm going to play a dragon deck that has all hordes full of treasure. Like that is something exciting to access with these two. Uh, so if that's what it end up, ends up becoming, just a very flavorful uh, deck where you've got plenty of dragons hoarding their piles of gold, that also sounds like a ton of fun. So yeah, there's other commanders that maybe 
maybe do the same thing too. But like that is a flavor aspect that I got to admit, I'm really intrigued by too. I might, I might consider that. Yeah. Well, I think if you're playing something like a Kiri that's already playing a lot of artifacts too, Gadrak's mm, just yeah. a three mana five four with flying. I mean, then it turns into a very good card and you're probably playing a lot more support to further reward yourself for having a lot of artifacts. So I think that's a very, very natural home for Gadrak to go in. Or Marchesa the Black Rose would be a great one too, because you've mm -hmm. got plenty of creatures dying and this will come back and then resupply you with a bunch of treasures to help out with all of the stuff that Marchesa is constantly letting you die and sacrifice stuff. So that could also be a really great, uh, really fun one too. Yep. The next commander that we've got, we probably won't spend too much time on it. This is Caravac the Spiteful, four mana, three, two. Uh, it's a black human warlock that says other creatures get minus one, minus one. I don't think that there's too much to go for this particular one. Uh, an analogous card to this is Knight of Souls Betrayal, a four-man enchantment that does basically the same thing, and that only shows up in 626 decks on EDH Rex, so going by the numbers, this probably won't be a necessarily popular effect, but a card that I do want to pair this with, like where I think that Caravac will find its home, is in Grismold the Dreadsower decks, because Grismold gives everyone plant tokens, and then you kill all the plant tokens, and Something like Caravac can help you do that, and then Grismold gets huge. So I think that this is also a 99er, but it's got a home that is really, really excited to have it. Yeah, that's that's a very, very good place yeah. for it. Um, I mean, any decks, uh, what is it, the, the Evan car that gives all your black creatures plus one, plus one, and then all the other creatures minus one, minus one, um, that's a very theme-flavorful deck right there, too. So I'm kind of with Joey, where a lot of these, you know, mono-colored commanders, they're flavorful and they do have homes, but I just don't know what's going to make me want to play a few of these as as the head of their own deck. Right. But them being such natural inclusions to a commander deck is yes. also, I think, really exciting, too. Yeah. Um, and that is also definitely true of our next legend here. Yeah. Up next, we have a Vito, Thorn of the Dusk Rose, a three mana mono black commander, two into black for a vampire cleric. So vampires are always a relevant subtype and clerics tend to be kind of relevant in particularly Orzhov decks as well. It's a 1-3. Whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. Um, so that's been an effective thing on a card in uh, EDH's history. That's and, not a combo piece at all. <laughs> right, no, right. And that would probably be enough. This would be a playable card if that's all it was. Um, but we have three black-black Creatures you control gain a lifelink until end of turn. So you have an enabler right there on the card. That's, that's so good. You've got exquisite blood sanguine bond combo right here as a part of your command zone. But also, life gain decks rejoice. You've got another epic way to execute that combo. And, oh man, like this is real cool. Again, probably more of a role filler, but I'd be pretty threatened if I saw this as an actual commander across the field too. I, I tend to agree it's a role filler, but I think of all the ones we've talked about, it's probably the one most likely to be a top its own deck, I would guess. Of, of the monocolored? Yeah, of the monocolored so far, ones, yeah. I think mm -hmm. so, yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it's not like mono black life gain is a new thing either. There's already precedent mm -hmm. for you know, Veto to have decks built around him. So yeah, I do agree that there's probably going to be a fair amount of Veto decks built just because, I mean, Veto, he, he sounds like he's part of the mob and, and that's scary enough to make people build decks. So yeah, <laughs> Mono Black Life Gain, probably going to be a thing. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really, really good. I'm 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 absolutely uh, loving that one. And I'm also terrified about it. Um, there are two more monocolored legends that we got to get to here. One of them is Baron Talarian Archmage. Three mana, two, two human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, return up to one other target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. At the beginning of your end step, if a permanent was put into your hand from the battlefield this turn, draw a card. 
Doesn't strike me as being too exciting as a commander itself, but that's perfectly fine because I think that there are a lot of Inala players or Naru Meha players or Naban Dean of Iteration players who are excited to have another member of their ranks. Well, and the, the sad thing is too about, about Baron is that it's perfectly fair, but it just <laughs> pales in comparison to what a lot of other mono blue commanders can be doing. Like this isn't a slouch of a commander by any means. Yeah, I mean, being able to, to bounce things, drawing cards, that's good. But the fact that they, they showed some, you know, deference about overpowering this mono blue commander on like Urza or anything like that, and, and you can only draw one card per turn. I mean, that's it. it I, I appreciate their their control about that, but it's it kind of stinks that it pales compared to so many other mono blue commanders out there. It, it does, but it also has a home and I'm excited for it to find it that home. So yeah, that's fine. The one that we're really aching to get to is the one that has set a new precedent. As soon as we saw it uh, previewed for Core 21, everyone started buzzing about this. We know that we're probably a week behind in actually getting around to this, but this is one of the things that has us like, okay, Core 21, this is a set that knows what's up because our final commander here is Mangara the Diplomat. Three and a white, human cleric, two four with lifelink. Whenever an opponent attacks with creatures, if two or more of those creatures are attacking you and or planeswalkers you control, you draw a card. And whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, you draw a card. They made a white card that draws cards, and it's actually good. This card is so good. <laughs> this is... I, this is so, 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 so great. Like, I would build Mono White to play this because you're able to keep up in games. It's it's a 2-4, so it's a good, good blocker. It's got lifelink. And then you just you draw cards. It You know, it doesn't really require you to do a lot, but it just punishes everybody else for doing things that are above and beyond. It's it's drawing cards in the most white way possible, which is making sure that everybody plays fair. And I love it. I love the design of this card. I think it's great. It, it, and it's, you know, as a legendary creature, it's good. First of all, it's just generically good in any white deck that needs draw um, in the mm -hmm. 99. It's if you treat it as a draw spell in white, that's really, really a good, really, really good. It's a really useful card. But you can go fetch it with Captain Sisse. It's going to do useful things as a legend in a Kethis the Hidden Hand deck. So it has mm -hmm. a ton of utility even in color combinations that aren't as desperate for draw as mono white is. Yeah, absolutely. There, I'm not sure that, like, okay, if I am going to level any criticism against uh, this particular commander, it doesn't necessarily point you in any specific direction. So that is a thing to be aware of, but the engine that this provides you is still substantial enough that it gives you a degree of freedom that I don't know that we've ever necessarily had for mono white decks. For example, I'm really personally fond of God Eternal Oketra, and that gives you a bunch of zombie tokens when you cast Tiny creatures. So the point of the deck is to like make a bunch of those and that gives the deck a very solid direction. Or you've got other equipment focused commanders too. Um, so that gives you a, a solid direction. And I tend to really like commanders that say, hey, I do this and then I want to do that thing well. And that is usually what I'm drawn to. So Mangara is a little bit more, I have to bring the deck to it as opposed to it creating a pathway for me. Um, but that is still a level of like, you're allowed to be more creative with this one now. And that's also, I think, very exciting because that is a thing that we see in a lot of colors, but we don't always get for a mono white deck too. Yeah, this can be kind of your wild card um, 
commander that can be atop whatever thematic deck you want to build in, in mono white, kind of like you oftentimes see Ken Rether Return King in five color or Ramos Dragon Engine, where it's just going to be a good commander, whatever you put underneath it, it's going to do something useful. This will be the same thing in white, whatever strange mono white thing you want to do, this is always going to be a useful commander atop it. Yeah, I, I really like that. I think that there will be a huge initial surge to play something like this and to let it branch out and to find some new areas to explore almost as a mono white good stuff, which isn't usually the kind of thing right. you hear, but I'm very <laughs> that's, excited that's, for that prospect. That's that has what, never been so said, actually, Joey. Nobody's ever I know, said brand new archetype, Joey, mono white good stuff. <laughs> never done, been done before. I, I do really like Mangar, though. Like it, it's it's nice to see. And even Mark Rosewater, when they kind of announced this card, said, you know, we, we realize that you know, card draw is too essential to the game for mono white to be left out. So this is kind of the first step that they're, they're taking. And I really appreciate that. I'm not yeah. looking forward to playing against this on arena because I play mono red pretty much all the time. And in standard, this is going to be such a beater. So yeah, I'm not looking forward I, to that, but I am looking forward to seeing it in a commander game. Yeah, you're definitely going to draw way more cards off of the you know fact that people are casting spells, and maybe there will be slight discouragement of attacking you from the other ability, mm -hmm. but that's enough. This is a, a cool signpost of things to come, and that's what has us so excited about it, and it's a cool card both at the head of its own deck and in the 99. Super love it. Um, you know, I, I think overall I am more excited about this suite of, of Legends than I was for what we got in the Commander decks or what we got in Akoria. Um, I don't know if they're better necessarily, but at least for me, most of the stuff in Akoria and the Commander decks, if you didn't want to build the thing it was telling you to build, if you didn't want to build a Mutate deck or didn't want to build the um, Cycling deck, those commanders weren't any good to you. You weren't doing anything with them at all. They were, they're just not cards you're going to ever play. Even if you don't want to build these as your commander, almost all of these can be put in some other deck to do a thing. And I just, I'm much more interested in looking at things like that, that I feel like some, at some point down the road, these could all be in a future deck I build. And that's just not true of the stuff from Akoria for the most part, or from the commander set this year. That isn't a bad thing. It's, they're just different things. And for me, this is much more interesting. What's what's funny is that I, I actually kind of wanted to say this as like a final note on the show, but maybe I'll throw it in now. Um, I think that Core 21 has a severe risk of becoming an overshadowed set, much like we talked about, I think it was a few weeks ago now, um, where we talked about overshadowed commanders. This is sandwiched up against a lot of other products yeah. that are coming out with a lot of very interesting brand new cards too. So there's a potential that all of these, especially because they're monocolored, which tends to be a less popular form of deck building in EDH according to the numbers we see on our site. Um, like, I think a lot of these have the run the risk of being overlooked compared to just the glut of products that's coming out right now. But I, I really hope that they get their due time because these are exciting at the head of the deck and a whole bunch of them go perfectly into the 99. These are really, really cool. And and we just talked about Legends. We haven't gotten to the cards in the right. 99 yet. Let's talk about some of those cards in the 99 before we get to any of the original ones. One of the reasons we're so excited about this set is because the reprints are off the charts in Core 21. Oh my goodness. That they are. I mean, Heroic Intervention is absolutely insane. Azusa reprint, I mean, just playing all the lands. There's so much going on here, guys. I love it. Fabled Passage gets a reprint pretty quick turnaround, too. I mean, that was just an Eldrain, but it, it never really had a chance to get cheap because it was so good. And seeing that reprinted right away, like I, I love that, too. Yeah, uh, there's Containment Priest, which is really, really nasty against graveyard players like me, by the way. So you should play it because it's good. <laughs> Massacre Worm, Ugin. 
We got Ugin again, Grim Tutor. Like, yeah, that didn't need to be $200 and it's much more affordable now. Like, yeah, these these reprints are crazy. And the reprints in, in Jumpstart, which is probably the thing that people are buzzing about most often right now, the reprints in that are also totally sick. But don't let that overshadow the fact that this set's also got it going on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm okay. It, it makes it more, actually, I should say I'm more okay with the reprints not being as great in the pre-cons that we just had for Ikoria, if they're going to make core sets this juiced and then stuff like Jumpstart that is also just absolutely insane. It's just, they turned up the reprint quality on these and that's just so great. I love seeing it and just the fact that they're putting so much effort into it and letting the pre-cons kind of maybe support the the main sets they come with and enabling different decks. If they're going to give us reprints here, I think it's a little more forgivable that they're they're not putting as many reprints in those pre-cons. People get excited about the show ponies. This set is filled with workhorses and you need workhorses to get the work done. That's that's a great way to phrase it. And I think, Matt, I, I take the uh, the contrary opinion to you where I'm like, this proves that you could have put good reprints in all of the other products, right. too. Right? Sure. So that's kind of where, where, where my mind is at. I, I would rather get them anywhere than put them where I want them, though. I think a lot of people, they expect it when really we're going to get it just in different places. They're going to spread the love around. If that is the case, as long as we're getting them, that's better than not getting them like we had been kind of in years past. Yeah, and and that's absolutely a great thing to take away. This this stuff, and we haven't even gotten to the original cards in the ninety nine. Let's get to those now because there's some really cool workhorses, like you just mentioned there, Dana. Start us off with a handful that we see in white. What are some new cards that we got going on here? Uh, the first one we have here is Idol of Endurance. It's an artifact, but it's white. It's two and a white to cast. Uh, when Idol of Endurance enters a battlefield, exile all creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard until Idol of Endurance leaves the battlefield. And then for one and a white, you can tap it until end of turn. You may cast creature spells from among the cards exiled with Idol of Endurance without paying their mana cost. Um, you know, it's not draw, but it's card advantage in white, which white tends to be solely hurting for. Indeed, um, yeah. I think I, I'm a little like the internet went crazy. Like people on Twitter were going nuts for this card when it was when it was spoiled. Um, I think it's solid. It's fine. I, I don't. I'm maybe less hyped on it than a lot of people are. I, I'm a big fan of it actually. Like there's enough kind of white weenie type decks and out there in Commander that this is going to give you even if it gives you four or five different cards out of your graveyard that you get to play over the course of the game, that's recurring enough. And in mono white decks, like you said, they are needing some sort of card advantage. The fact that you don't get blown out by this, like, yes, it comes in the battlefield, exiles all the creature cards in your graveyard that, that fall into that three or less category, but they come back to the graveyard when this goes away. That means you're not losing out. It doesn't fold to grave hate. It's a very good card. I think it's a great engine. I, I at first kind of uh, hem and hot about it, but the more that I've looked at it, the more I, I really appreciate it. There's still some good targets that you can get, especially if you're pairing it, you know, white with any other color. You're getting a bunch of creatures that you're going to be able to play that you would want to be recurring anyways. So I am a fan of this card. I, I if you are playing stuff like uh like 
if you're in black two, for example, you can run other cards like Immortal Servitude that might be a smidge more efficient right off the bat. Um, but especially if you are in a monocolor or if you're playing some Boros or maybe some Hate Bears type of strategy, this strikes me as something that's going to be exceedingly annoying and making sure that you never quite get rid of the stuff that you want to get rid of uh, and that a Sun Titan's always going to be able to help bring this back too. Mm -hmm. um, so like using the concept of eternity, like these cards never go away as a form of White's card advantage is something I'm excited to see them uh, continue exploring. Well, and even having this come down and it protects everything from future, you know, graveyard hates. You, you play this, you get all your creatures out. Somebody plays a Bajuka Bog on you next turn. Like, well, you just saved all those that you get to re then recur later, which might be even more devastating otherwise. Like, I like the utility behind this. I think it's going to be a very good role player in certain decks, and I'm I'm excited to find a home for it. I, I, well, I think that's going to be the problem. I think finding a home will be the issue. I think it's a good card in theory. I think in practice, to, to, to put it in your deck, you need to have a certain density of small creatures, and you need to not have better ways to recur them that this is going to get in the way of. And I think that's there's less decks that meet that criteria than people maybe think it, there, there are. But Dana, I guess let we'll me see. tell you about this card called Alluren. You may have heard <laughs> it. It's so good. Up next, Dana, going back again to Workhorses, uh, this is a cool card called Light of Promise that is kind of a little bit similar to a card called Sunbond that already exists. Light of Promise, three mana, enchantment, or enchanted creature. Enchanted creature has, whenever you gain life, you put that many plus one counters on this creature. I just want to throw this out there as another card that I really appreciate. Sunbond is a four mana version of this effect that shows up in nearly 1,300 decks. If you're playing some Daxos, Blessed by the Sun, or Karlov of the Ghost Council, this can be a really cool way to uh, make your commanders... Um, a lot more lethal than people maybe associate with life gain. So keep your eye on this one. I really like it too. Uh, let's get on to some of the other ones though. What about the stuff that we've got in blue? Blue's got some real crazy rares, y'all. Well, blue has some real crazy planeswalkers even, and, and go figure it's a Teferi card, but uh, Teferi Master of Time is two blue blue for a three starting loyalty planeswalker, but you may activate loyalty abilities of Teferi Master Time any uh, or on any player's turn, and at any time you can cast an instant. So right off the bat, that's just insane with static abilities on Planeswalkers. But then you can also plus one, uh, you draw a card and then you discard a card. You can minus three Teferi, uh, target creature you don't control, phases out, <laughs> phases out. Coming back in a core set. Um, and then also you can minus 10 Teferi and you take two extra turns after this one not one but two extra turns this is bug nutty this thing with a pure imaginative rascal in play probably shouldn't be allowed to happen because pure will give it additional plus one counters excuse me loyalty counters when you activate the plus one ability um i am shocked that this commander commander I'm all over my words. I'm sorry. I'm just so impressed by Teferi and his eight different artworks. Uh, but like he he can protect himself in two different ways because if mm -hmm. he might be dealt lethal damage, you can plus one and narrowly escape it. Or you can have something phase out so it doesn't exist anymore. This thing is real mean. And if you're in a Planeswalker deck that can add an extra loyalty to this thing, um, I'm scared. It's also the kind of card that rewards skill um, for all the reasons you just mentioned, Joey. There's tricks you can do with this in a way you can't traditionally do tricks with Planeswalker cards, and that's always fun. 
Yeah, I'm. I think this is also cool just to play in other mono blue decks, just to like maybe help fill your graveyard if you're looking for ways to get spells or artifacts into the yard. Um, but especially for the Planeswalker decks that love it. And man, if you are playing Pure Imaginative Rascal in any of your decks, if you're like make room for this one in particular, I think that's a great pairing that will really really mess people up a lot. It's it's weird that Simic decks are doing crazy things that's never been seen before in Magic. I know in the history, but it. I mean, even being able to loot four times in a turn cycle that in itself is a very very powerful yeah engine. so it's right that's that's super strong yeah like everybody's yeah. going to talk about just the static ability and being able to take all the turns but you get a lot of card equity in this in into fairy so it's it's pretty great it's pretty insane and uh i'm i'm not looking forward to playing against it at all Indeed. Uh, up next, we've got a card called Discontinuity. Uh, yeah, Discontinuity. Three blue, blue, blue for an instant. As long as it's your turn, this spell costs two blue, blue less to cast. So at that point, it'll be one and a blue. And it simply says, end the turn. End the turn. Um, yeah, uh, which we've seen before on Time Stop, um, which I think makes this card relatively easy to evaluate. If you're playing some kind of a blue deck where time stop is really effective, this is a second version of the same effect. And if you already don't care about time stop, I'm not sure you necessarily care about this. Um, so it's a cool card, but I, I think it's relatively cut and dry whether or not you want it. Yeah, time stop doesn't show up. It's a, it's not very popular. It's in maybe 1,400 decks or so. But the ability to use this to end your turn in response to end of turn triggers that might be detrimental to you, like Sundial of the Infinite can, and that one shows up in over 3,300 decks. You can use this as a way to help out Cedrus the Traitor King to make sure that your creatures do not mm -hmm. get completely exiled by casting the spell in response to the exile trigger. Or the same is true for Inala, uh, Archimage Ritualist. So so there are a handful of uh, other commanders that are looking forward to taking advantage of this to completely shut down someone else's turn, but also to assist the advancement of their own board. Yeah, it's it's got some tricks to it. It's got a lot of play to it. It'll be interesting to see how people will use it in commander. I'm just not one of those people that's going to try to figure it out. <laughs> of course. Uh, in that case, what do you tell us what you think of Sublime Epiphany? Sublime Epiphany, the mega cryptic command. Uh, it is four blue blue. For an instant that says choose one or more, and you can choose either counter target spell, you can counter target activated or triggered ability, you can return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, you can also choose to create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, and you can also just casually have target player draw a card. All told, there are 31 different combinations of abilities that you can pick for one spell. It is 31 spells in one spell. I don't know that you'll ever act like get the full suite of each of these abilities all in one go, but I don't know. This seems worth it for six mana, but the only place I really think that I can necessarily say that I'd be eager to play it is in a Brutoclad deck because it can create a token mm -hmm. copy of something you already have. So this is another way to get some cool tokens for Brutoclad to copy around. Do you think that this makes it into the uh, counterspell suite for other maybe controlling or spellslingery blue decks? I, I think there's so much value on it. Mm -hmm. Um I can't imagine a situation where someone casts it and I say, why is that in this deck? Like, <laughs> I think if you're if you're playing blue, I will understand your logic for running this. On the same hand, if you tell me it's not good enough for your deck, I can't think of a blue deck where, I, where, where I'm going to say, why is that not in your deck? Yeah. Okay, it can generically jam in any blue deck and probably generate value, but if you don't run it, I, I totally get it too. I mean, it's it's impossible... Just if you counter target spell, you bounce something, you create a copy of your uh, a 
creature you control and then you draw a card that's easily going to be one of the most played versions it's kind of like yeah. the counter draw you know on cryptic command that is easily six mana worth of value on one card so yeah, every time uh, it, yeah like you said it is very very easy to get what is it five of the six modes yeah routinely um and if you know you're playing it against like some i don't know um spell you know like a gutter snipe you they cast a spell to get a gutter snipe trigger you happen to get that too perfect like you're you're it's just gravy at that point but man it's it's going to be very very easy to get that value's worth so it's it won't surprise me ever to see that yeah and possibly i don't know maybe mizix doesn't necessarily need the help but playing this for two mana <sighs> instead of the full six sounds really really great um here's the blue card that i'm personally most excited about though that's teferi's ageless insight four mana legendary enchantment if you would draw a card except the first one you draw in each of your draw steps you draw two cards instead <sighs> oh no they shouldn't have done this for me <laughs> it's very very good i mean it's half of an alhammer it's all archive and it's the the good probably the more important part yeah yeah it's, the important part <laughs> Ooh, this is a very, very good card, folks. Yeah, play this in stuff like, I, I don't know if you want to necessarily play it in Arjun the Shifting Flame because it might kill you, uh, <laughs> but you can play it in stuff like Gavi Nest Warden, for example, to almost immediately uh, get the procs for the cat tokens that you need. Um, or just blue decks in general. I'm personally most excited to put this into Kaneos and Hero because I draw a lot of extra cards in that particular deck. If you're doing some wheelie stuff, this is going to be really, really good too. You're going to get a lot of stuff. This is a, a very... I'm so excited for this particular one. That That's... They love blue so much. They love <laughs> well, me. And, and there's a lot of different decks that, that are not at all similar that want it. Like you can justify running this in those Bant Enchantress decks where it's filled with Enchantresses that will draw you cards mm -hmm. off enchantments. You'll drop this and just draw a card for playing it most of the time. And then every future enchantment is going to draw you cards, so it'll draw you more. Whereas if you're playing like one of those decks that's, that's, that's really, really deep on instant speed cantrips to draw you cards, this is going to double up those draws as well. And that's like the exact opposite of an Enchantress deck almost. So <laughs> it's a good card in decks that, are, that look nothing alike. Well, I'm, I'm very excited because this card finally makes Alms Collector not terrible. <laughs> not sure. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if there's any saving that particular. <laughs> it's not that good, but. <laughs> but no, I, th I think I will not be surprised at all, Dana, uh, if like Tuvasa becomes the number one commander that uses this particular sure. card. I think that's a great observation. Um, the next one, we're moving on to black now. We got some death touchies here. And Dana, I know how much you love the death touchies. Oh, I do. Uh, Hooded Blight Fang, a two and a black for a snake. It's a one four with death touch, which isn't that exciting. However, uh, whenever a creature you control with death touch attacks, each opponent loses one life and you gain a life. And whenever a creature you control with death touch deals damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. Which is just a little bit of added kind of flavor stapled on. Um, but it's useful. And if you happen to be playing a, a deck with a whole bunch of death touch bodies, um, you know, it's maybe not going to win you the game, but it's going to nug everybody for a good amount of damage when you swing in. <laughs> they should call it life touch moving forward, not death touch. There we go. Yeah. There. So let me let me give you some numbers here. There are 1,528 Hapatra Vizier of Poisons decks, according to EDHREC, which is the commander that creates death touchy snakes by putting minus one counters on things. And there should be 1,528 of this card in you the Patra decks. <laughs> like, when you assemble a big board of snakes, this, to make them attack, that is so, so lethal. I played Edgar Markov for a while, and the Sanctum Seeker, I believe it's what it's called, whenever you attack with yeah. the vampire, each opponent loses one life. Mm -hmm. That was 
very, very lethal, very, very much of the time. And this has a very similar role for Hepatra, and that is extremely dangerous to see the tool that she's been given here. Really great role player. Yeah, well, it doesn't even need that last ability either, that the the killing planeswalkers that's just kind of gravy that's just like yeah. stacked on top that just it's already a great card with those first two abilities and it's i'm i'm looking forward to playing against it in, in dana's glissa the trader deck um, you bet. it's going to be very good there so yeah yeah absolutely. now speaking of cards that people in this podcast will be putting in decks joey yeah this next one's real cool. Do you want to read it for me? Because I don't know. I can do it with a straight face. <laughs> um, we have Liliana Standard Bearer, um, also two in a black for a zombie knight, uh, has flash. And when, when Liliana Standard Bearer enters battlefield, draw X cards where X is the number of creatures that died under your control this turn. I want to sing. I love it so much. Very, very good card, guys. We can move I'm, on. That's all we need to say. That's is like, it's, it's a very, very good card. Yeah, you play this in your Sir Conrad decks, you play this in your Marin decks, you probably play this in your Mildrotha decks, although Mildrotha, I know that's a very crowded deck list these days. But yeah, you sacrifice your stuff, and then you draw all the cards, and it's skull clampable. But best of all, you can also sort of uh, hold this one in case people have a board wipe, and then you can recover really nicely from that. You can bring it back at the end step with a Marin trigger. Uh, don't don't discount this type of ability. It's different than other stuff like Disciple of Bolas, which I know is really popular in a lot of those decks. Disciple of Bolas lets you draw cards, but you are forced to sacrifice a creature this lets you make up for it and gives you more flexibility and i'm just i'm it's a serenade to read this card and, and those are two super relevant creature types too yeah Bo both knights and zombies mm -hmm. that may just want this just for those creature types zombie decks tend to have things above up zombies and this is a three one and it's going to draw you cards knight decks kind of a similar similar thing so yeah it, this card is relevant like a lot of these cards in a whole bunch of very desperate decks yeah, Sadisi, Varina, exactly. Yeah. And what it doesn't even need to be non-token creatures, it's all creatures. So yeah, you're Varina, you have a bunch of zombie tokens out there. Uh, sack a bunch of them, play this guy, draw a bunch of cards. It's it's the versatility behind this card is absolutely through the roof. As 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 Mr. Necromancer himself, you, you don't need to explain how much <laughs> you're going to be playing this card. Oh no, all of my Avenger of Zendikar tokens have died. Whatever will I do? Draw oh, 98 darn. cards, that's what. Yeah, it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. Uh, let's move on to Peer into the Abyss, which when I first heard someone say this name, I thought they said Peer and Toothy Abyss. But it's not Peer and Toothy. It's Peer into the Abyss, a seven mana black sorcery, four black, black, black. So that's a little restrictive. But target player draws cards equal to half the number of cards in their library and loses half their life round up each time. What? It's such a weird card. Like, yeah, drawing half your library is very powerful. Like, the, I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of combo that you can be doing. But it's it's so weird to think of. Like, what are you going to do with all those cards? Are you just going to discard them and, and and move about your day? Like, I... I'm... Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you fill the graveyard. Come on. You've been doing a podcast with me for how long? That's that my MO. <laughs> Too long, Joseph. Too long. <laughs> And I think if you're if you're just looking for a combo piece, there's more efficient ways to get down to it in, in mm -hmm. black, whether it's tutors, whether it's demonic consultation or ad nauseum or something. But you're drawing half your library. <laughs> like we can't I mean, I can say that that there's better ways to find a combo piece, but you're drawing half your library. That's crazy.
I don't even know that I want to use this on myself. I, I will tell you this, Joey. I, <laughs> I have no decks where I want this, but when I, when I was making a list of singles I wanted to get for decks, I just wrote Peer into the Abyss times four because I'm going to get four copies of it because I feel like at some point someone's going to show me how disgusting it is and I, I haven't quite grokked it yet. And I want to be like, <laughs> I need this in a bunch of decks. I, yeah, there are so many things like Nikasar abilities, and Nikasar himself might be a little bit too crowded for an effect like this. Sure. But you can punish your opponents for drawing a lot of cards, or if you're playing a Psychosis Crawler, for example, like drawing probably 40 cards or so, there are so many ways to make that lethal that this is a very dangerous effect to capitalize on. But the way that I want to use this is in combination with effects like Wound Reflection, because what I am is evil. That That is a pretty evil combo right there. I, I do agree. It's so good. Um, so... So one card that I, I don't think is going to be too hard for Dana to grok, as he put it, uh, <laughs> Village Rites. It is one black for an instant that just says, as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature, and you draw two cards. So um, efficient. We've all gotten to talk about cards that we're excited about, and for some reason, the tax accountant that Dana is <laughs> loves Village Rites. Well, and I feel like Alter's Reap, which is the the one colorless and a black version of this, or, or Costly Plunder even, I think those are cards you want to run in decks that are built around sacrificing things because the sacrifice becomes then a bonus in your deck, whatever that, that winds up being. Um, and I, I feel like at two mana, you didn't kind of want to run that generically as a draw spell. Whereas one mana, like you can almost just put this in any black deck leave one black man up and when someone removes one of your things just draw two cards for free mm -hmm. or someone blocks something that's going to die just or, or you chump block something like i feel like at one black it almost is efficient enough then to just generically treat it as a draw spell and Alter's Reap shows up in nearly 4500 decks yeah and this is a strictly better version of it so yeah there's a place for this for sure yeah all right, y'all, now let's move into red. And I know that this is a weird thing for me to be saying particularly, but I am extraordinarily excited about the red cards in this set. This first one, we got a mythic enchantment that, again, I'm not sure I can read this one with a straight face. Oh, Fiery Emancipation, three and trip red, six mana for an enchantment. If a source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals triple that damage to that permanent or player instead. What a lot of damage. What? A lot of damage is gonna be dealt. I don't get this. I'm sorry, but what? Okay, so Dictate of the Twin Gods shows up in 7,500 decks, and that is a five-mana version of an effect like this that just doubles damage and also doubles damage that would be dealt to you. This is a home run of an enchantment. Six mana is a lot, but it doesn't feel like it's that much. The triple red is maybe a bit restrictive, but if they attack you for one, it becomes three. If they attack you for five, it becomes 15. If they have a Perforos in play, you become dead. If they have a Gisela, you get double in the triple and you're just like, uh... And you get a math lesson. You get a math lesson. <laughs> now, I do think this card is like really eye-catching and everyone's reaction is the same reaction. We just all have had about it. <laughs> But I think if you really get down to the nuts and bolts, green has a bunch of effects 
that fundamentally do the same thing. Like, I'm not sure this is a better card than Overwhelming Stampede or Crater Hoof or Pathbreaker Ibex. Like, those are cards that when you have the right board state, you drop them and win the game. Uh, this is functionally the same way. You have to have a board state to get there. You you have to be in that position to drop this and win. Um, I think it's it's eye-catching because it's in red and you see the number, you know, the, the, the triple the damage thing. But... Uh, really, I just don't think it's it's any more impactful than those cards are that I just mentioned in green. Uh, I I I get where you're coming from, but you you just need a Perforos in play, and that's not taking a lot. Like this is a shoe in for those types of decks or oh, you goblin decks. I mean, a, a lot of those go fast decks. If you make it to turn six and like you want to just drop one haymaker. I am I'm, I'm was lukewarm when I first saw this card. I am starting to turn around on it. But I, mean, um, I think I think the same is true of of you know overwhelming stampede or of of crater hoof. Like you make it to turn seven and drop that when turn seven you should have ten man out in green and probably a bunch of elves or something. I think it's just gonna kind of work the same way as all. I, I okay. So here's why you're wrong and completely horrible at this game, and I'm gonna school you now. Okay, now. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, like that is a different manner of aggression though. Like green does have a lot that it can pour out tons of damage, but it's so combat based. Red has so many direct damage effects that this amplifies that make it much scarier because they don't have to risk anything in combat. Um, and it complements red in a very different way. Like Crater Hoof absolutely complements the way that green can totally swarm the board. But here, what we're complementing this card with is a Mogus God of Slaughter deck or an Obosh the Prey Piercer deck or Kervek the Merciless Kervik. or Torbran, Thane of Red Fell or Perforos, who might even be so quick that he doesn't need it or Neheb, the Eternal. All of these commanders either like do a bunch of damage or benefit great from additional damage and it's damage that you don't or, or like I don't know fire song and sunspeaker jumps to me as another one because if you can get the life from the oh man like I am I'm terrified by this and its political implications because but it, it's also stoppable with removal spells in a way that crater who for ibex or those those green overruns aren't without a counter spell so say you're playing this in Kervik, Dana you you cast a uh, a reclamation sage so Kervik's gonna deal nine damage to you just for trying to get rid of this that's almost a quarter of your starting life like it's going to be so hard to to get out from this i and would we, still take we have, the nine damage versus the crater hoof that just is going to kill me every time i mean but the, by the same argument though, so like you can also get fogged and the crater hoof doesn't do anything so like yeah they're, they're, i mean you're, you're playing the play more counter spells sure but like i there are going to be games where like people don't draw the removal and there's nothing people can do about this and it's going to cause so many people to just get absolutely ranched i think it's a really good card and gratuitous violence was already a good card and no one was terrified about that i think i think the threat is being overplayed it's cool and it's going to do useful things and i think it, no one's going to be talking about banning it here in in oh, no, six weeks ban, no. that that's not the conversation what the conversation now has moved to is that when we are fortunate enough to acquire any of these cards for us to play on our stream on wednesday evenings at 6 p.m <laughs> twitch.tv slash the eda trackcast not the eda trackcast just eda trackcast i was trying to talk really quickly and i completely fumbled but my point is to say that we are going to both <laughs> play this to your monumental detriment um and it will be glorious and you will see how wrong you are but the same is true of a bunch of cards in green so 
I just don't think it's anything this worse than green has a bunch of things to do the same thing. That's, I, that's fine. Okay. I think this becomes one of the most popular cards within this set. And for absolutely good reason, I'm it's, terrified of this. It looks amazing. Yeah, I, there, there, there are so many non-green decks that are going to play this. Like you play any, is it pingers deck? And like this gets out of hand real quick. You play any Voltron deck and all it needs to be is a seven power creature to be lethal. It just be around. Yeah, <laughs> just, just be, exist. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the, 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 these are a lot of like no one has responses or removal magical Christmas land scenarios. Um, well, but okay. next time, well, I guess next we'll find time out. you Christmas land, Dana, we're going to poo poo on all your thoughts, <laughs> uh, but we will move on. Let's let's talk about the other red mythic in the set. Then um, it's Terror of the Peaks. It is three red red for five four with flying uh, spells. Your opponents cast that target Terror of the Peaks cost an additional three life to cast. And then whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Terror of the Peaks deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target, which actually does get tripled by Fiery Emancipation. <laughs> yeah, this is really exciting. I'm here for some type of maybe Jeskai Blink sort of deck, um, but this is mm -hmm. almost a Warstorm Surge kind of effect, but on a dragon. So the Ur-Dragon is really, really excited about this kind of thing right now. Um, I would also potentially say the Rakdos Chainer as well, getting a bunch of creatures back from your graveyard, potentially being able to pair this with some reanimation effects or blink effects. Like this looks like a phenomenal win condition for a whole bunch of players. Matt, I almost wonder if you would play this in Omnath because of how much damage this might be able to deal out. Thinking about it, man. Thinking about it. Yeah, I, mean, um, any, I think any dragon deck wants it too. I think it's mm -hmm. it, like without even having a plan built around doing something crazy with it, just dropping dragons in your, you know, Literally any dragon tribal deck, this is going to be great in. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're casually just hitting for five and yeah. six every creature you play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Perforos, the bronze blooded, the sort of sneak attacky kind of commander who can put stuff into play, or Ilharg, yep. the raise boar, I think would also be very well served. Oh, you bet. Well, up next, we would have Brash Taunter, uh, Goblin for five mana, which is a lot of mana for a goblin, um, but it makes sense when you see he's a 1 1. <laughs> Um, with, okay, that doesn't make sense, but he has indestructible okay. and whenever Brash Taunter is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target opponent. And you can also spend two in a red and tap it and Brash Taunter fights another target creature. Okay. All right. I can see why it's five mana now. You, you, you had me sold when you said five mana for a one one, but <laughs> one one um, goblin for five. Th th it's kind of cool. I mean, the, the fact that it's kind of a stuffy doll with a fight clause built in, that's that's pretty nifty. Like being able to force damage every turn uh, is not not something we should forget. No, not and, at and, all. And unlike Stuffy Doll, you aren't stuck assigning it to a person who then, you know, you do your crazy thing and you kill the player and then it's no longer mm -hmm. useful. Um, this you can tweak based on whoever you need to do the damage to at that point in time. Yeah, absolutely. I think Queen Marchesa is really excited for the political applications that it can use here to have someone, you know, oh, can you attack me? I'll deal like a bunch of damage to the other player if you uh, let me block with this. Um, Nin, the pain artist, can also deal damage to your own stuff to let you draw cards. Ooh. And so this could be a great way to draw Ooh, cards yeah. and deal some damage. Um, and any forced combat deck too, like Athantis the Warweaver, I think will be very, very excited by the ability to like, yeah, go ahead and attack. I've got a stuffy doll and a brash taunter in play. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Those are better, better situations than I was drumming up. I was just thinking giving it death touch and like killing a creature per turn. But those are better ideas. So we're <laughs> going to go with yours. Uh, I think it, the damage does have to be dealt to target opponent. 
So there is that. Uh, but no, but Brash Hunter fights another target creature. So oh, if you give it death touch. I can, I know how to, I know, I can, I read, uh, I can read. Okay, I, so we get to go with my ideas now because <laughs> I actually read how the card works. Uh, so we'll move on to this next card since it is a little, a little less confusing. It's double vision. It is three red red for an enchantment that says whenever you cast your first instant or sorcery spell each turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So the fact that it hits instants on other people's turns, it is each turn, not just on your turn. Uh, this has some incredible value built in, but it, you can blow it up. You can play counter spell. So Dana doesn't like it because it's a red enchantment. Um, <laughs> but what do you actually think, Dana? I like it. Um, you know, there's a lot of utility in copying spells just in general, but the the one sneaky thing I, I, I like about these kind of effects, and I liked it in Pyromancer's um, goggles back in the day, um, is most of those red efficient draw spells that are, you know, discard a card, draw two cards, um, things like um, Cathartic Reunion. Mm -hmm. um, the way they're worded, part of the cost is the discard. So when you copy those spells, you don't have to discard anything. You just get the draw portion. So having this out and you start playing those those red cheap draws that, you know, pitch a card, draw two kind of things, uh, Tormenting Voice, um, Cathartic Reunion, like I said, you just get a double draw off it. And in mono red, if you happen to be playing a deck running a bunch of those effects, which sometimes you have to in red, it's just double value. I feel like this one's actually, I'm a little less impressed by this pro, this one in particular. I think Calamax, the Stormstire, is going to be over the moon about it. Mm -hmm. um, but most traditional Spellslinger decks would prefer to have the Swarm Intelligence or even the Thousand Year Storm abilities because they tend to build up many, many, many cards all at once as opposed to just the one instant. But yeah, taking advantage of it the way that you mentioned there, Dana, um, making sure that you have a lot of little instants that you can use on every turn is probably the best way to go. So Calamax for sure, but I think it will be probably pushed out by a lot of the other things that Spellslinger decks can already Pro do. Yeah, well, probably. And I think, that, I think that's two different kind of decks. Like I right. think Double oh, yeah. Vision is going to be more for like, I, I could play this in Omnath and I get double ramp spells. I could play this in a, my Riel deck. That's not really a spell slinger deck, but I can get double uh, Chandra's Ignitions off of it. Yes, like if you're playing the spell slinger where you want to cast multiple spells per turn, then something like Thousand Year Storm is going to be better. But I think there are certain certain decks here that aren't the spell slingers, but every other red deck that would want to get this because of the situations Dana talked about. Or if you're playing this with any black and you get a double tutor off of it for two mana, that's incredibly powerful. So I think there are definitely different types of decks, but I, I think it's not really good comparison to say it's comparable or comparable to thousand year storm because i think those are different decks altogether yeah but that's good advice too to know that like this isn't necessarily like a, a slam dunk for all types of spell slinger especially those that commit so heavily to the one big flourish of a turn um and this can be uh something a little bit different if you are going uh you know a bit more um a paste uh, i guess would be so yeah noting that difference is a great place to make sure that you find the perfect home for it um there's one final red card that i want to address because um feather is hungry for it feather the redeemed is so hungry for this it's unleash fury two mana instant double the power of target creature until end of turn i'm sorry what it's very good man it's very good <laughs> and, and hey if you have double vision out you <laughs> yeah. Oh, so Calamax also probably really excited about this because it would get the double within, you know, the double, but also like Feather, this is really good and it pairs well with other effects like Double Strike. So you can do Uncaged Fury effects 
and unleash fury. So a lot of fury. And then you can triple it with or fiery, fiery emancipation. Right. Fiery emancipation. <laughs> there we go. You've convinced me. Full circle. But man. this is just we, we did it. it. It's so great because there are so many effects that care specifically about the power of cards. For example, Crush the Blood Braided is happy because you can use it on someone else's creature yeah. and get I even all, more. All three of us have decks that will probably be slotting Unleash Fury into like Valdek loves this because his power is already through the roof anyways. So just give him trample and, and one shot some people. It's this is a very good card. And for an uncommon, it's just a very good role player. And it's one of those cards that like you will see probably left on the table after FNM, assuming mm -hmm. FNM ever happens again. Um, <laughs> And then in like four years when it hasn't gotten a reprint and you go to build a deck, like when did that become a $3 uncommon? See, I, I, I don't think it's quite like teamer battle rage stratus. Mm. It's very good because, I mean, double strike is an insanely powerful ability, um, but it is close to being teamer battle rage yeah. quality of, of card. Yeah, Graven uh, Predator Captain is excited. And I think Xenoghost God of Revels might want to consider it just slightly as well, um, just because that is a surprise and a half if you yeah. have already a very big creature that then turns out to be much, much bigger than people thought. Plus, you can pair this with green effects like Rishkar's Expertise to draw even more cards or Chandra's Ignition to deal a bunch more damage than people expect you to. Um, this is a very tricky and really inventive type of combat trick for them to, to deal with it. I'm just, I'm really, I, I was about to say I'm really excited, but guys, we're moving on to green. Um, and this is where we're, I lose my mind. <laughs> this is where we're going to talk about inventive card design, right? <laughs> I okay. Garrick's uprising, man. This is this is a brand new effect. Totally brand new. It's I okay. I can't read this one with a straight face either. I'm sorry. I'm gonna just have you guys read. That I can't either, but I'm gonna try. Oh. Uh, Garrick's uprising. Two and a green for an enchantment. When Garrick's uprising enters the battlefield, if you control a creature with power four or greater, draw a card. Also, creatures you control have trample. Also, whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, guess what? You, you draw, draw a card. card. You, you draw, draw a card. card. This card is all about drawing more cards, but like this, the, it's essentially like th three different cards rolled into one. Uh, yeah, you've got the trample ability, which we didn't need, but then there's also, it is a mimicry of the card Elemental Bond, which is a three-man enchantment. Whenever a creature with power three enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card, which shows up in 14,000 decks, by the way, so that should, that shows you a little bit of where this is going to go, but it also immediately refunds itself as it enters. I am putting this into Titania. I hope that people put it into, like, their Omnath decks, too. Like, this thing is... So I, I can't, I can't with it. This is crazy. This is really crazy. And if you're looking for other types of effects like this, also consider the card Kavu Layer. Uh, three mana, whenever a creature with power four greater comes into play under any person's control, its controller draws a card. That one doesn't get nearly enough love. It's only in 440 decks right now. Don't let this one budget out. Play all of them. If you're in green, you draw a lot of cards this way and it's really, really nasty. <laughs> So, so now what I will note about this, and, and there are absolutely a lot of green decks that want it for sure, but I think like um, almost all the cards we've talked about, it, it, it doesn't go in everything. Like there, this isn't a smothering tithe where you feel like if you're playing white, it's worth running or, or fierce guardianship. Or like if you play blue, it may be worth a slot or arcane signet where it's almost always worth a slot. None of these cards, and this is this one's the same. This isn't an auto include in every green deck. There's going to be plenty of green elf decks, or you know your, your cat deck, like like where you're not going to frequently hit that power four enough to draw. So it's a card that you need to determine whether or not it works in your deck, and I I, I like that versus something like Smothering Tide, as great as it is. 
that doesn't require you to make that decision, it's almost always good. Yeah. It's, I just, I can't get over the fact that this is, it's Primal Rage, which is seen yeah. in about 2,000 decks. Which is a really playable, really good card. It's a really playable card, but that it's, it's two mana for an enchantment. But then, like we said, it's Elemental Bond, which is a three mana enchantment. So this is five mana worth of enchantment rolled up into three mana. Like, this is, mm-hmm. it's so silly. Like, it, it's so silly. Like, it's it's a great card. I'm going to put it in, like, dang near every deck that I have. But yeah. Well, and it's also, it's, like, an important thing to remember about, like, the way that green can draw yeah. cards. It used to be that we had to rely upon having a big board, and then you can cast a Collective Unconscious or a Shamanic Revelation. But that, you know, that was, uh, it took a bit sometimes, and you got blown out by it, and those draw spells would be stranded in your hand. And we have so many of these effects now that refund you as soon as you play the creature that you just never run out of that gas. And the high density of them is what has me so excited and scared, um, because there are so many commanders that can benefit from that Gearhead Conclave Exile is going to love this too because he makes 4-4 Rhino tokens that he'll populate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gishath's Son's Avatar is another commander that highly uses Elemental Bond a lot because all those dinos are huge and this is another great way uh, to make them all even better than they were before. You can play this in that Ur-Dragon again too because all those dragons are going to be real big. Like there's just so many commanders that will do this in so many different tribes or in so many different archetypes that will prevent them from ever running out of gas and that is a very terrifying dynamic for a green deck to be able to set up. This card, bonkers, and I would say that it's my favorite green card, but we're not even done. There's another green card that I'm also really happy about. It's really cool. It is really cool. I'll, I'll talk about this one, too, since apparently Joey just has I've lost her words. decision paralysis with the green cards all of a sudden. But uh, Invigorating Surge uh, is 200 green for an instant that says put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control, then double the number of plus one plus one counters on that creature. Now, I also am excited because I want to put this on my Ukima and my Ukima and Kazer deck and really punish people. But yes, this is a very, very good card. Uh, Solidarity of Heroes is a similar type card. Um, this kind of fuels itself, though, which is worth noting. Yeah, it's it's really, really good. I'm So the card Hydra's Growth came out that is kind of similar, but takes a while. And that one's a very recent, but it's already showing up in 2,500 decks. Um, but this is something that, yeah, Ukima, terrifying. I have a plus one counters deck, terrifying. Mowu, terrifying. Kalamax, also really terrifying to double this particular instant. I uh, Halar, I think would be another great one because then you can deal even more damage. There's a lot of places for this spell and I am happy and scared again. <laughs> I mean, it's probably still pretty playable in a plus one counters deck as a sorcery. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, and, and it's an instant. So you can do combat tricks and do all kinds of stuff with it. Um, it's super, super good. Put on a toothy in response to removal and just yeah. draw 87 cards. Yep. Yeah, that you could, that will probably kill you, but yes, you can't do it. <laughs> these are, these are lethal combat tricks and we're just filling in a lot of really great, not gaps even, but we're giving so many extra effects that these decks have that makes them even better. Like you can more reliably count on these different types of strategies. And I'm just, I'm, I'm so, so excited about that. Uh, let's move on to talking now about an artifact, sort of the opposite of green. Now we're going on to a big one that is mighty large and nigh uncomprehensible. So the artifact here we're going to talk about, Chromatic Orrery, is a seven mana legendary artifact. Um, you can spend mana as though it were mana of any color. And you can tap it for five. So essentially it's like a Gilded Lotus in that it's expensive, but it refunds a chunk of the mana you spent on it um, immediately if you choose to tap it. Uh, You can also spend five and tap it to draw a card for each color among permanents you control. So that's 
kind of crazy. Um, personally, my first instinct was Krufix, God of Horizons, because this provides you with a bunch of colorless mana and you can untap it repeatedly. And it also probably goes infinite with like a whole bunch of other untappy shenanigans, but it also gives <laughs> you the ability to then turn that into colored mana so that you can then actually cast spells with all the like, and there's that, but that was my first instinct. What about you guys? Oh, I immediately thought of Ramos Dragon Engine. Oh my God. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> because you, you activate Ramos's ability and you get all this colored mana. Well, this filters it for you. So you don't really have to worry about using exact different combinations of colored mana because the typical Ramos deck likes to play all sorts of multicolor nonsense. Um, <laughs> but, you, you, I mean, you cast Chromatic Orrery and you cast a, a Niv-Mizzet Reborn because that's easy to do all of a sudden. So uh, I like this the more colors you're playing. I don't like it really in one and two color decks because then you're paying essentially, you know, 10 mana when you think about it. Well, five and tap it, but um, you're only drawing a couple cards. But if you're playing this in a, a Reaper King deck, you're drawing, you know, five cards for that, which is a much better rate. Uh, And it helps fix your colors, which is great. I mean, Chromatic Lantern is a very, very powerful staple status, I would say at this point. Uh, because it fixes your mana and this does this plus generates a great deal of mana so it's a pretty good card guys yeah yeah I, I think the true home is outside of you know the crazy things joey was talking about there with with crew fix is in a five color deck where the commander is truly five colors we're not talking about kenrith we're talking about five pips in the commander where you're also maybe on a budget and you're not running like that perfect mana base so it becomes Mm kind of tricky sometimes for you to get the right array of colors you want. This is going to be a a way to fix that not perfect mana base and it's going to give you a way to draw five cards off the pips in your commander. So I think that's where it's going to shine is that that person who is semi-casual Ur-Dragon deck or sign of the Ur-Dragon deck or something where they're not running ABUR duels and fetch lands. They're just hoping they get the right array of, of check lands out and this is going to make it smoother to cast, give them a draw source. It's just going to and be a giant mana rock. Well, and it, it even goes into the, some of those Kenrith decks because you can use manas of any color to activate sure, yeah. those abilities too. So like you don't, you're not you know locked on blue mana to draw cards. You can just spend a bunch of green and red mana to draw those cards. So I I like that it helps the budget decks a lot, and it helps those those decks that really need it. Um, yeah, like like you guys have said, it's it's a very very good card. There's going to be some insane plays with it, um, but I like I really like that it's helping those budget players kind of build into everything. Like, mm-hmm. sure, it does help Golos players, which they don't really need the help, but. <laughs> It's, it's a splash effect, so I, we'll take it. I, I mean, I hope that that is the case because I hope that this becomes a budget-friendly card, but it, out the get is mythic. It probably won't. It, it might not be as accessible, but we didn't even touch on its artifact abilities. Like, artifact decks are going to snap this up. I, you guys mentioned that maybe more colors is great for this, but Duretti Scraps of Aunt is also probably really happy, like, freely reanimating a card that provides him with five mana, just digging that right out of the yard. Um, I think Sahili the Gifted will enjoy discounting this to almost free a lot of the time. And of course, Brea Ethereum Shaper is going to go totally nutso over an effect that is this good and so easy to cheat into play too. That, that, those are fair applications too. Yeah. Like it, I like the versatility to it. I don't think it's, you know, oh my gosh, this is so insane. Like it's just a very powerful card that isn't going to be too unfair in too many decks, but it's just going to help a lot of different decks and, and have a lot of play to it. So it's, I'm interested to see what people do with it for sure. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be very exciting. But the final thing that I want us to talk about, and this one is really just for me, 
And I, I think everyone's been waiting for it. Um, everyone who's like me. Because uh, Every, everyone that is Joey. Because <laughs> they made shrines again. I, when I first was getting into magic, I played with the Hondins, which are shrines that give you extra abilities when they you got a whole bunch of them. And I never really felt comfortable finding a place for them in Commander. And then they brought them back. We've got shrines like Sanctum of All, Sanctum of Stone Fangs, Sanctum of Tranquil Light. There's a whole bunch of new shrines, so you can make a shrine deck. I am building this. I have to. I, I owe it to my 13-year-old self to build a shrine deck because Sanctum of All is a five-mana enchantment that lets you find shrines, and then if you have enough of them, will double the triggers of your shrines. And Sanctum of Stone Fangs is a card that drains your opponent's life for each shrine, and Sanctum of Tranquil Light will defend you if you have enough shrines. There's a whole bunch of these and I just it gives me the warm fuzzies and I really hope that the reason I like this set so much isn't just because of this rose-colored nostalgia feeling <laughs> I hope that it is that be because of the impressive reprints and the cool commanders and the amazing cards of the 99 and also for the fact that these cards give me the warm fuzzies well I, no, I, 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 yeah I, I'm not gonna build this deck and I I have no particular like nostalgia for shrines but conceptually I love the idea of using a core set to just do something because you can. We can put shrines in a core set. It's not going to hurt anything. So let's do it. Why not? Like, I love that idea. What a great place to do that. And I hope that's the kind of thing we see moving forward where they use these core sets to say, let's put another gate land for the gates decks, that kind of thing. Because why not? Yeah, yeah. And Cisse Weatherlight Captain is a five-color commander that can tutor these out for you Ooh, that I'm you personally bet. really excited to use uh, for this. And I'm just, I'm I'm so happy. I think, I, I really do, like, every time that we were seeing new cards previewed uh, for this set, my jaw just kept dropping and dropping. And again, I really do worry that because of all of the products that we've had uh, coming out, that this one, um, people might overlook some of the impressive stuff that's happening here. But this is easily my favorite core set, even above the core set that we had last year, where we were introduced to a whole bunch of stuff like mm -hmm. Kai which is a really, really impressive set, too. That's where we got Golos. That's where we got Field of the Dead. That was also a really impressive core set, but this one is stealing my heart even more because I feel like the cards are powerful but still fair. They fill roles, and they're inventive, and they break new ground even within established archetypes, and I really hope that it doesn't get too overshadowed because I really appreciate a whole lot of what's going on in this set. I, I do agree, Joey. Like, just what they're doing overall with this core set is absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I can't... I can't praise Watsy enough for just how overall amazing the set is. Uh, and not to just constantly sing praises right now, but like this set is great. Like it does so much. Like it's got amazing reprints. The new cards do so many different things and they're they're playing around. They're I mean, yes, having shrines back is is very interesting. Uh, but then they, they have these big like splashy mythic -y feeling mythics like fiery emancipation they have teferi that's doing something a little nuts but i mean and then they have dogs so <laughs> it's hard to be mad about this yeah how can this not win it has it has the good dogs this, this is mean, the best forget the whole corset portion of it um you know that's maybe a low bar to clear sometimes because corsets have been yeah it's bad ones this is just a really good magic set filled with a bunch of really good cards corset or not i'm thrilled i'll be thrilled regardless if this was a set thematic set on a plane i'd be happy with it this is a great set Full stop. Yeah, and I know at this particular time, folks are probably talking about stuff with Jumpstart, or maybe there's previews for the next set coming out, because again, there's been a lot of products happening recently. Uh, but this I this has rocked me to my core set. Aha. No? All right, bad at the dead are, jokes. Are I you here for it? I'll, I'll leave it. 
I'm here for it. Yes, thank you, Dana. I love this. I think it's really, really exciting. And listeners, we would love to know uh, which cards you are the most excited about from this core set too. And especially the reprints. We didn't even talk about them too much, but there's really great reprints. This is so, so good, but we've got to call this episode to a close because it's already run on long enough. I'm so excited to see the way that this, uh, all the numbers shape up for this core set. It's going to be really cool. Cannot wait to get my hands on some of these cards. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. And hey, if our listeners want to get in touch with any of you, where can they find you all? Matt? So you can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S. 55. You can also find us streaming Wednesday nights, twitch.tv slash EDH Reccast. And Dana. You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach, and you can hear me a couple times a week on my other show, CMDR Central. And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast at EDH Retcast on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you have a question, a keen insight to EDH Rex data, or maybe a challenge to stats pick that you want to tell us about, you can contact us at EDHRecCast at gmail.com. Our thanks again to Josh Lequay and the whole team over there at the Command Zone for handling the post-production work on the podcast, and of course to our sponsors, TCG Player and CardKingdom.com. You can find them using the price info links on EDHREC or by visiting cardkingdom.com slash EDHREC to help support the show. We will be back at you next week with more data and insights, but until then, remember, EDHREC your deck before you wreck your deck. (laughs) 